Well, hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Loud Pedal Podcast. We are at Phillip Island. Christopher Mullen is with me and a man who is synonymous with Phillip Island. We probably wouldn't be here racing this weekend without him. Wayne Gardner, the Wollongong Wiz. Welcome. Thank you for your time. Uh, g'day, Chris and Chris. <laughs> it's great to be here. Wayne, supercars. Most people listening, they subscribe to this because they are supercars fans. So, first of all... Do you still keep your eye over the supercars? Bathurst, obviously our most recent event, and, and if so, who do you still know in the paddock, and uh, how involved are you still? Uh, not really, no, I don't uh, keep much involvement or interest in it, um, primarily because I live in Europe, I live in Monaco, and uh, but I was here this month for the all of October, and I did sit and watch the, uh, the Bathurst uh, yeah, that's a special place for me. I've been up on the podium a few times and had pole position, and uh, so I've had some good results there. Been a little bit unlucky. I would have liked to have won, but wasn't quite lucky enough. And um, but certainly the the speed was there, but you know wasn't to be. So, uh, but no, I have a lot of interest. The cars are good, um, and the championship has just got bigger and bigger. So it's quite amazing. Chris, you've been in a supercar. <laughs> I did a couple <laughs> laps. I wasn't wasn't like Wayne didn't race full time, but done a few laps. They're, they're quite different. To bikes, aren't they? To get to get a lap time out yeah. of a car than, than a motorcycle. Yeah, they are. They're frustrating, you know. <laughs> I, to be honest, because they're so big and heavy. I think they're fifteen hundred kilos or mm-hmm. something, and um, they got obviously plenty of power, but they've got quite skinny tires yes. for the size and the weight of the car. So it's a it's a technique that you know they roll a lot, and it's like driving a great big taxi cab, basically. Well, and the guys so, that are in them, they obviously they're very good. They've refined their skills around driving. Those yes, cars and it, competitive with them. It's absolutely, but it's very very easy because they roll so much, and you know side to side, diagonally, and 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 pitching forward and back. Uh, it's very easy to pinch a tire or yep. lock a tire yeah, yeah. on the things, particularly if you try to brake with any sort of turn on the steering wheel. But um, no, they, they, it's a unique style. Um, for me, I, I, quite, I went and raced GT cars mm. in Japan yes, after that, that, and I like them better because everything you stay flat on the road. It's a, a flat bottom car, so it's it sucks to the road and uh, uh, and had great big tyres yeah. on it. So it was about how big your gonads were, you know, about how fast you go. So <laughs> Quickly about the difference between a car and a bike. For me, the impressive thing with the car was the brakes, but everything else on a bike felt very different to use, you know, like the speed, the acceleration of a bike. It's yeah, compares, uh, look, nothing beats a motorcycle. I keep saying it bef- uh, in this country is that, for all the Australians, if they love motorsport, the best motorsport in Australia is the GP weekend down here at Phillip Island because the sheer speed of the bike is it shocks people. Yeah. Um, and the TV doesn't cover how fast these bikes are. Uh, they've got enormous horsepower. Um, it's a, it's a, and, you know, the riders fall off and they slide down the road and you don't get that in touring cars or, yes. or, or in Formula 1. They just stick it in the sand and they have to undo the belts and get out of the car. So with bikes, you know, there's rolling and tumbling and you see the guys in action and moving on the bikes and you see the bikes sideways and smoke coming off the tyres. So it's very spectacular, um, the Grand Prix racing. So if you want to see the best motorsport in the world, come down to Phillip Island. You're dead set. I know that last year when it didn't clash with supercars, there were a number of supercars drivers here, Shane Van Gisbergen and Scott Pye come to mind, who said the same thing, having not been here to see it for the first time themselves, they were blown away by the level of the guys that are out there and how fast they are going. Um, We wouldn't be here, as I said at the start, in many ways without you, Wayne. 30 years, can you believe it, since you first came and conquered and we got this show on the road? 
Yeah, I don't know where 30 years has gone, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, 30 years has gone by, and I've obviously got some very fond memories of it all. And, uh, you know, from the first one here, it, it, it marked time. You know, it was one of those great sporting moments that people will remember forever. And, of course, then I won again the following year, which was kind of like the icing on the cake. Um, however, 30 years on, my son's now racing in it, you know, which I think is quite amazing, and I never expected that to happen. And, um, you know, he's very fast, he's very talented, he's very young, and um, but I think, you know, he's certainly a guy that I think he will be in MotoGP in the future, in very soon future, and uh, I think we've got some great talent here between Jack and, and Remy, and um, hopefully there'll be more in the future. It definitely, you spoke about, I, I, I love watching Remy, I love his style, he's quite aggressive, he is a bigger built rider as well, he's mm. really adapted to the new Moto2 bikes, but mm. you're right, I think he'll be in MotoGP soon, there was, there was some rumours come out that he even KTM approached him potentially getting on the bike sooner, Wayne? Well, they have. Yes, yep. they have. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was a big... It was up to Remy to make the decision, uh, you know, but he felt that if it was uh, if it was a an upfront bike that was winning, i.e. a Yamaha yeah. or a Honda, then you'd challenging... You? Yeah. yeah, you'd jump at it. But, you know, KTM are obviously a... Uh, are a very aggressive company and are trying to grow and get their bikes up to speed. But Remy thought mm, he'd really like to stay in Moto2 of the competitive bike and win some GPs and hopefully chase the championship next year and win the championship in Moto2. And then it's open slather, yeah. you well, know, he, so because they're all the teams are changing in, exactly. in 21. Exactly. So all of a sudden it's not just one manufacturer interested in Remy. It'll be hopefully lots of them. And what a difficult decision. Like back in your day when you got an opportunity to get on a... 500 Grand Prix bike as it was, they don't come very often, do they? So, no. you know, it's it not was an a, easy decision to make for him, for sure. It was a big decision for him, you know. Um, he obviously shown enough talent for them yeah. to come and offer that deal. Uh, but, you know, it was just... It, it was it's it's an honour, I think, and it, I was an, and it was a great opportunity. And I think it was a lot of common sense on his behalf to just hold back because... Um, yeah, it's the one seat that is available that everyone's after, and it's nice <laughs> that it's put to him. However, in what, 12 months' time, um, and if he has a good season, there'll be lots and lots of uh, opportunities there for many manufacturers. So it also says that he's got confidence in Moto2 of performing and winning, and I think he will win some races soon. I don't know when, but, uh, you know, it's such a hard-class Moto2. It's the most difficult category there. And when I talk to Fabio about it, because Remy and Fabio are very level in about abilities, yes. you know, uh, in Moto2 and Moto3, and then he said, look, it's actually a bit easier in MotoGP yep. so, because it's so tough in Moto2. So uh, good on Remy for sticking it out and trying to try and win a championship in Moto2. Hopefully that might be next year. We mentioned Fabio Quattararo. He was only 10th in Moto2 yes, last yes. year, and look at what he's achieved. Yes, right. that's right. And that's something right now I think any four or five guys in Moto2 uh, could be doing the same job as that, you know. What, and there could what be four or five seats come up potentially when we when we think about it. Valentino Rossi may be retiring. Crutchlow talking about retiring in the next year. Dovi, how much longer is he going to be around? And and you're right, I think there could be some big seats. Over. Well, that's right. You know, there's a lot of young talent that are in their you know twenties, twenty ones, twenty twos. And Fabio has just proven that a guy twenty years of age um, with some good history can adapt really fast. So. Uh, and Remy's of the size, he's, he's probably quite heavy. And it's one of the things I think 
is difficult for him and Mato too. He's a little yeah. bit heavy, you know. To be honest, he's seventy to seventy-two, and a lot of these younger ones, or younger, sorry, smaller, lighter ones, yes. smaller ones, um, are you know five and eight and ten kilos lighter than him. So it's a real big challenge when you're fighting with a bike with only a hundred and forty odd horsepower. You know, well, exactly. So, and the bike that weighs one hundred and thirty odd kilos, it's yeah. you, you know, it's a big percentage of adding yeah. on weight, isn't yeah. it? And, then, and you've got to accelerate that weight and then stop that exactly. weight. Exactly. And you won't have that problem in MotoGP. Yes. Wayne, as a world champion, to watch what Mark Marquez is doing at the moment in the sport, what do you have to say about him and the level that he's operating at and where he ranks from those you've seen? Well, Mark's a huge talent. We've seen that for many years, uh, from the juniors um, uh, you know, through to now. So he's, uh, he's very forceful. Um, he's, he's very. He's, I like that. He's very talented, uh, forceful, and uh, you know you only have to make a gap this big, and he he pushes through. Uh, he's been quite aggressive in the past, and I think there's been a lot of criticism about me. But now that he's tamed the aggression, he looks. He's actually getting better, and because uh, I think 12 months ago or two years ago, they were actually he was in the stewards' office talking to them all the time about how he just bumped everybody else, and actually. For people who don't know this, he actually trains in dirt track. He puts guys around the track and he races around and rams them to push them off the track to get them out of his way. So he's been trained, he trained himself to be aggressive because he thought that was the only way of passing. But now that he's got that much better, now he can pass without barging everybody off and he's become a better rider. So, uh, yeah, he'll be around. But then again, you look at Fabio, it's turn up with such a, you know, a 20-year-old. Yes. Uh, on a on a good bike, uh, and look what he's doing. He's n- not that far away from winning. So, <coughs> I think personally, it's change of guard coming up. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think it's it refreshing. Happen. Exactly. And I think it's refreshing that it's going to happen. And twenty one, I think you're going to see a lot of young, four, five, maybe even six younger riders come in. And I think you're going to see some outstanding performances of these guys. And if you look at what Fabio's done, I think it'll be repeated uh, by many riders in the future. And it's change of the guard time. Does Jack feature in that changing of the guard? Is he a race winner? Well, he's already won one, but is he a constant man at the front of the field in your eyes in the years to come? Yeah, I think Jack's a very... I mean, first of all, he's a good friend, you know, and uh, and I think that he's a very talented rider. I think that Jack is starting to show what he can do. I think it's taken a little bit longer than expected um, to adapt and I think a lot of that is because he hasn't focused enough. <laughs> he's come in there and, he, as you know, what Jack's like. And, uh, however, he's starting to focus a lot now and I think he's doing a great job. Uh, and I really believe that, you know, he's going to be a contender in the future. So uh, he'll stay for sure. Um, and he'll stay with, probably with Ducati and, uh, you yeah, know, he will end up probably being a factory rider yep. uh, in, in the major team. And I think they will have a pretty good year because I think they're using factory bikes next year. Yeah, and Jack is on a factory bike now, but he doesn't have the, the factory engineers. He's not in that factory team. So uh, he's okay. the third of the factory bikes. But you're right, we, we talk about Jack, obviously, on Fox Sports coverage a bit, and we use maturity in the same sentence as Jack Miller now. We've never done that before. He's yeah. starting... To get sensible, like you say. Yeah, the penny's dropped, you know, yeah. and he's he gets it now, and uh, it's taken him a little while, as I said, to focus. <laughs> but Jack's a larrikin and a good guy, and it's great to have somebody in there that's very good, and who's a character as well, because it you know, attracts more people, and and like a like a Rossi in a different yeah. style, you know. So um, no, I, yeah, hopefully we'll see Remy up there in two years' time as well in that twenty-one year. And there's probably a good chance that might happen, you know, yeah. if, if all goes well for him. 
Valentino Rossi, you just mentioned there, he's currently on monitors around us at the moment as part of the media conference that's taking place. Jeremy Burgess, his long-time mechanic, has said that he thinks he might have gone around a little bit too long. What do, what do you think about Rossi and his future? Well, the question is, you know, everyone was blaming Yamaha mm -hmm. and Vinales and Rossi and... Um, and Fabio's turned up and just caned him, taken half On the second. older bike. On, well, on the older or less yeah. of a bike, you less know. So, yes. Although Fabio has a factory engine in the bike now. Yeah. So yes. uh, then you'd say, hmm, was it that bad before the bike? So all of a sudden, the Yamaha's good again with the same bike. So it kind of says, guys, get your act together. Uh, and I'm talking about Rossi and uh, Maverick. And Maver Maverick stepped up. He's going pretty good, but mm, still losing the pace of Fabio. So I think it's two of them should be having a good look at what they're doing. Um, and I think probably it's time for Valley to probably give it a miss. Um, but he keeps changing uh, crew chiefs all the time. <laughs> you can only take too many crew chiefs. So, look, I'm a big fan and a very good friend of, of Valley's, and I'm a... You know, I, I admire the man enormously. So, but sometimes you've got to know when to stop as well. You know, so um, but that, that's his choice. You know, and, and Yamaha, if, if he wants to still go riding, racing and riding, I'm sure Yamaha will keep supporting it. You know, so but it'll be interesting to see when he does call a day. But I kind of think it. You know, it might it might be very soon. Yeah, that's it. Can you? I can't imagine it, but can you imagine being 40 years old and still putting your body on the line? Like how hard he ha he has to train now and focus. But he says. He doesn't know what else to do. He loves racing motorbikes. Sure. He loves coming to the track. Sure. So I do understand it, but I, I, yeah, I well, agree bit, exactly with what you're saying. Yeah, but that's a bit like me. I'm 60, and that's like asking <laughs> me to go back out and, and hey, race in MotoGP hey, again. Talking about and that. there's no chance I'm doing that, can <laughs> yeah. I tell you? Because I know it hurts when you hit the ground. I spoke to Remy about that. He said earlier this year, he had a, you on a 600 at a track. And he, he did. Had, he had to teach you the way around. <laughs> no, we went, we went. He challenged me because I actually taught him. For the first day on a 600, I, I went and rode with him and showed him the way around. It was, uh, what's this, the, in Portugal? Uh, Estoril? Estoril, yes. Yep. No, it wasn't Estoril, it was the other one. What's the other what one? Algarve. Algarve. Yeah, Algarve. Well, I've never ridden there. That's, and, that's uh, you're showing your age. Yeah. And I was showing him the way around there, and and but he was pretty close on the first day ever rode a 750 Suzuki, actually. Okay. It was a GSXR. And uh, I got off and I went, Remy, you shouldn't be on moto, because he was so quick. And I went, mm, you should be on a Moto2 bike. So that's when we started trying out on yep. Moto2. So then Freddie said, put him on a Moto2 bike, where well, we did, and he's just taken off since then. So, because Remy's size. And yeah. now we're suffering the same thing again because of his size and his broad shoulders and his weight. It's But MotoGP, he's perfect for it, you know. So, but... Um, uh, no, now Remy, I, I, he challenged me to the to go and ride, and I rode exactly the same bike, the same yeah. bike on the same tyres which we used. And he said, "I bet you can't go within five seconds." I said, "I bet I can," and because uh, I used to be faster than him. Well, and of course. <laughs> so I did. I did. I went out and I went. Ah, that's fast enough. And uh, and however, I had been sick, may I say? The excuses are coming exactly. up. Exactly. Eh? And I got within seven seconds. I said, "No, this can't be. I must be Mr. Gear." So I went back out and gave it another run of five laps, and I got down to six seconds. And I went, "No, this is not possible." So I went and tried my ass off, and I got down to about five point two seconds off his lap time. And I went, "I give up." Right. Yeah, it was close, but I was 0.2 behind. But five seconds, I went, this is insane. So 
I now know and understand how fast Remy is. He's very, very fast. And, you know, I thought I was going pretty good, although I came in with a lather of sweat and it was a very, <laughs> it was a very, very hot day. And I kept saying it was the alcohol from the night before. But uh, no. I love it. The excuses but again. They exactly. Get more elaborate, I was April in the book of excuses. So. <laughs> but anyway, no, I couldn't get anywhere near him. And I was yeah. really, really surprised how fast he was on used tyres as well. Yeah. So I'm impressed. Tell us, I think... It was 30 years ago. I think when you won, Kev McGee was fourth, I think, that day for memory, if my record serves me right. We have a lot of fun with Kev on, on the show throughout um, the year. Where? where did Kevin win? No, no, no. no, no, no. When, you, when you won, won here, here won he, was he was fourth in, in the same race. What can you... Can you <laughs> 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 well, he was behind you. You couldn't well, see him. What, of what, course what, he was behind <laughs> it was in my way. <laughs> and that leads me to the question, can you sh- spill some beans? Kev's not in the room. Spill some beans. Tell us what Kev was really like, because we think we know, but I don't think we really know. Well, I don't think know. we really know. <laughs> uh, well, I've only seen, the only time I've seen him was the backside of him when I passed him. That was about all. But, uh, you know, Kev was okay. He was a larrikin. Um, uh, let me see. Uh yeah, I didn't see him that much, to be honest, because he was always behind me, you know, so... Um, I'm going to love to hear this. Yeah, the other side, he's yeah. going to... You know what Kev's going to remind us of? Harama 98. Yeah. Uh, 88, sorry. That was his Grand Prix yeah. win. Yeah. That's right. So, he did win at Harama. That's yes. why I was trying to remember it. It yes. was at Harama. He must so. have been injured that day. He mustn't have been racing. <laughs> I, I think I think it was no one else in the race. <laughs> so he was a bit of a lad, was he? Did he... Yeah, did he no, what, was the, what was the afterlife... Back then, like after, after races, the party was it? Was it like? Was it wild? Like we think it might have been, or was it actually still very serious and professional? No, it was pretty wild at times. Um, I can't give you give away too many secrets uh, because it's it's in my next movie, which is X rated. You know, so uh, no, no, no. We had a. I got a lot of great friends. You know, somebody asked me the day is, do you think the racing is as good as? Uh, as it was back in the 80s now, you know, and I went, no, it was better in the 80s because it was more fun happening in the paddock and um, more entertainment and uh, there was more beers drank and more barbecues and more, more, more friendly environment. Yeah, less corporate. In it was a way. less corporate, absolutely. However, the racing wasn't as big as it is today in the in the media and uh, TV and the ratings and you know, ticket offices uh, uh, sales and so it's done a complete reverse and it's where it's where it should be. However, it's missing the flavour of the eighties and the, the characters of the eighties. Yeah. And I and and Kevin was one of those as well. So yeah, it was. I'm very proud to be a part of the eighties era. And uh, believe me, there was a lot of fun and a lot of and a lot of silliness and a lot of stories we could tell. And uh, uh, and yeah, a lot of great moments. And I'm I'm really pleased that you know I was part of that era. Yeah. Well, we're very pleased that you've been able to spare some time with us today. Our thanks to the Australian GP Corporate and Ambassador here this weekend. And thank you for everything that you did in making this event happen because we love it and so do the fans. So, Wayne, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be here 30 years later, you know. So, um, But now I just come, have to come here and just worry about my son racing. Really <laughs> fast, so. Which gives you more grey hairs, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> You've already got plenty of them, believe me. But... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think Remy's going to go pretty good here. You know, he's he was quick here last year, even yeah. with that shit, you know, Tech 3 bike. So uh, I think that, you know, if we can get the bike and we're looking for that sweet spot in the front of the bike, that's what's yeah. missing now. Everything else is perfect on the bike. I know he can ride it very fast. His corner speed's incredibly high. Uh, his braking's fantastic, but he's just been a little bit unlucky and made a li- few little mistakes. Yeah. 
but that's inexperience. But talent-wise, it's he's got more than enough to go to the very top. And so, yeah, the big focus is to get a, a, some results, you know, from now till the rest of the end of the year, and then a, and then um, try and chase a championship next year. So I, I think he can do it. We'll be watching with with great interest. He's got all exactly. our support, and you're obviously a proud father as you should be. So we look forward to seeing yeah, Remy. Great news continue. for us. Remy's walking around with a lot of confidence, as is yep. Jack Miller. So hopefully, a couple of Aussies on the podium here. Yep. Be a fantastic Let's so. weekend. Let's hope so. I'd like to see both of them on a podium, and that would be the perfect ending, you know, to to this season. So it's been tough, but uh, I think both of them can do it. And as I said, when you're in Australia and you're racing in your own backyard here. Uh, you always raise to the occasion. You get something special that comes out of you. I mean, you should know that, Chris. Yes, and my you, first you, podium was here as well. Exactly. So, so you know, a, a, any rider that rides in their own backyard always lifts, lifts, and you get that bit more energy. You get that bit more pride, and you just push that little bit harder. And you know, and you, you take a few more chances, and that's what you have to do in this game. So, fingers crossed. Wayne, we could talk all day. Chris has got an interview, though, with Valentino Rossi, and he doesn't wait for anybody. So Apparently not. Chris Vermeulen, thanks for your time. Pa- they just walk past the door. You better chase them. <laughs> get going now. Let's go, Wayne. Thanks, thanks Wayne. Bye. This, this has been the Loud Pedal Podcast. Our thanks to Chris Vermeulen and Wayne Gardner.